We've been fighting a long time, and we have all lost so very much. So many loved ones gone. But you are not alone. There are pockets of resistance all around the planet. We are at the brink. You have no idea how important you are. If you're listening to this, you are the resistance. Welcome everybody back, Steve Cunningham with Seth Fidelli, coming at you once again with Sir Charles Bar- No, not Berkeley, Cologne! Why did I say Berkeley? We were talking about- Berkeley or Berkeley, California? I was going with Berkeley, the uh, old 76ers Power 4, because we were to the topic of the conversation, which- uh, I don't know that, but you that you suddenly totally derailed me, and I'm thinking of Berkeley in the 60s. I don't know. Oh, my fault. We talked about. I thought we were talking about athletes. I got the Globetrotter anthem playing in the background. Well, we were, but now you've changed everything. Oh, um, my I'm fault. We all said to go back to Berkeley in the 60s. Actually, uh, before I, I, I get into what we're really going to talk about, I, I do want to mention, simply because it, it hits me, and because so many of the Antifa people, etc., had their, and the various, and even more so, the... Uh, strange creatures that run so many of our cities and states across this great land of ours. Uh, they had their minds formed for them in Berkeley in the 60s. And I am reminded of a documentary of that title, Berkeley in the 60s. Oh, at least it was original. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, but a, uh, a, my late lamented friend, Jim Thomas, saw the thing, and his one-sentence review was, the left takes a good, hard look at itself and likes what it sees. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, great. But no, uh, what, we, uh, what we've got to talk about today is a, uh, a thing that really, really is very much on my mind because of the opening of the, of the baseball season the uh, Yankees versus the Nationals, and both teams, every player, knelt during the National Anthem. Well, you know what? To the degree that I have any interest in baseball at all, and I don't really have a lot, but I've always been a Yankees fan, to the degree that I was, you know, to the degree that I was a baseball fan, I was a Yankees fan. The more so because uh, my dad was always annoyed with the Brooklyn Dodgers, precisely because they moved out to L.A. Uh -huh. Now, mind you, we moved out to L.A. too, <laughs> but that didn't <laughs> that didn't help. Dad still was. I mean, he 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 had the same kind of offhanded attitude toward it that I did. He was he wasn't anything like a devoted fan. Well, I mean, to the degree that he had been anything, he had been for the Brooklyn Dodgers, you know, which was unique for a kid from New Bedford, Mass., but there were reasons for it. So he never quite got over that betrayal. Uh, his father died in Brooklyn. I guess that might, might have been part of it. But uh, long and the short of it is that this really, it pisses me off no end. You'll pardon the vulgarity, but... Uh, you know, I, I was immediately thinking of uh, James Earl Jones' soliloquy about baseball in Field of Dreams. Mm -hmm. You know, the thing that, that has always held Americans together and gave, given us the idea that maybe somehow things could one day get better. Well, this isn't the way to do it, sports fans. No, sir. You know, in the summer of 78, I annoyed my uh, paternal uncle by marriage, my uncle Kitch, no end, because he took me and my cousins to the old Riverfront Stadium to watch the Cincinnati Reds during Pete Rose's great 44 streak. You see my jersey over there? Yeah. Well, you probably would share my uncle Kitch's annoyance with me. You got to bear in mind that I was... I was there on leave from ROTC boot camp at Fort Knox, Kentucky. Mm -hmm. I was tired. 
and I fell asleep during the game, and we had really good seats, and he was so pissed off at me. I don't think he ever forgave me the day he died. <laughs> I really don't. But because he'd always bring it up, you know, yeah, I remember when you fell asleep at the game. Yeah, okay, Uncle, I, I get Never it. let you down. No, he, he never uh, – that was always there. And, you know, he'd remind like my brother <laughs> and my dad about it. Yeah, you know, Charles fell asleep watching Pete Rose. So I guess that's some sort of an accomplishment of some kind. <laughs> but I feel offended by the New England National Anthem, and more so with baseball for some reason. I mean, it was annoying with the, that moron, uh, Colin Kaepernick, or whatever the devil his name was. Kaepernick, yeah. Yeah, back in 2016. And his thing was, well, I can't, I can't show respect to a flag that's uh, so filled with racism and all that. Yeah, a flag with the average uh, baseball player gets four million bloody bucks a year. And he was getting that's paid a, pretty good then, too. There's a hell of a lot of exploitation going on. While he's wearing point. Nike jerseys made by slave you know, workers in China. China. So I have two suggestions on this, ladies and gentlemen. And I think they're very important ones. Firstly, I think it is time to stop playing the national anthem at professional sports events. Why bother giving it over to, to uh, disrespect, to be dissed by a bunch of overpaid morons who couldn't get a real job in anything else? And don't get me wrong, I'm sure there's no athlete, and I never was one. But these people are entertainers. They're like actors. They're like uh, belly dancers. And the fact that they, uh, there was a time when professional baseball players were considered heroic figures. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I, I, when I was growing up, we had Mickey Mantle and Stan Musial. And Stan the Man. Stan the Man. Jackie Robinson. Great Catholic, by the way, from what I hear, too. Married for his entire life, to his love, the love of his high school. Uh, yep. And, and, of course, let us not forget as uh, the, the plaintive question asked by Simon and Garfunkel. Joey Where D. Where did you go, Joe DiMaggio? A nation turns its lonely eyes to you. And what did Joey D. do in the offseason? He married Marilyn Monroe. For well, that thing, too. But... Fished. Yeah. These guys, no, I remember, I... There, was a, there was a story when... Uh, I don't know if many people know this. We, my brother and I grew up in a sports bar when Dad we ran a sports bar when in the nineties yeah. when we were young. We were always in sports. Dad was an AMF, so we were bowlers. I had a two hundred average when I was twelve. We were golfers. We we did everything. We I mean met Pete Rose a couple times. Dad played golf with him. He was on, he was on speed dial. Uh, well, what did uh, Barry Bonds during his record season year? Even though he took steroids during it. There was a time when he went up to Willie Mays and asked him, what did you do in the offseason? What kind of workouts did you do? You know, what you... Mays looked at him. The, the say hey kid. Willie, Dagon Mays. Talk about work. We, we talk about workout. We went to work. <laughs> they, they got paid, what, 10000 a year, not $10 million. You didn't get paid a lot. You didn't get paid $10 million. And, of course, we had, we had people going a little bit further back, like Babe Ruth and uh, Lou Gehrig. Mm -hmm. Of course, who gave us the famous disease? Um, I'm, and of course, as we know, uh, Mrs. Robinson told us that Jolt and Joe had left and gone away. Hey, yeah. uh, which, by the way, he hated that song, Joe DiMaggio. Yeah, I, I heard. Yeah, yeah. Well, it made it sound like he died. Which, <laughs> he, he hadn't at the time. He has now, so maybe he's reconciled to it. But at that time, he was very much alive, and yet it was not. An apropos, in a sense, because like the present, that period when that came out, when that song came out, was a song, it was a time of great upheaval and unrest. Mm -hmm. And figures like Joe DiMaggio were considered pillars of what we had been, even as it says in Field of Dreams, you know. Uh, but what these morons have done, these overpaid, Black Sox. I'm thinking of Shoeless Joe. Hey, I'm a, I got a Shoeless Joe uh, statue over there. <laughs> oh, very, very good. Yeah. Very good. He's a Greenville, you know, South I, Carolina guy. Well, the funny thing about, about that, I, one of the first uh, things I ever read about 
baseball. It was in American Heritage when I was really a, a little kid. And it was about the Black Sox scandal of 1919. Against the Reds. Say it ain't so, Joe. Yes, say it ain't so. <laughs> and of course he couldn't, which was, that was the downside. But I, I mention all this because, as I say, things have to change. Because really, they're not just insulting the flag. And they're not just insulting the national anthem. They're insulting their fans. And if the fans are smart, they'll give it back. As I say, there are two things. One is the flag should no longer be displayed nor the anthem played at professional sports events. And secondly, anybody who isn't a moron and enjoys being insulted should stop going and stop supporting. Bye-bye. Mm -hmm. No more. Because, yeah. see, the football commissioner, what's his face? That Goodell. Come out, yeah. He's apologized now, and he's with the program. So you see... He got woke. He got woke, all right. And, but you know how they really get woke is when they stop getting dough. Yes. Defund professional sports. Forget the popo. Defund professional sports. No more. Don't buy the products they endorse. Don't have anything to do with it. Let them pay for their own garbage. Right now, the problem is TV gets more. TV pays them way more than uh, the gate. So, like in Major League right now, you don't have any fans. They don't care. They get TV contracts. NFL, Stop. same idea. They get the TV contracts. Are the big thing. I remember watching a game four years ago. Uh, I'm a for full disclosure for everybody out there. I'm in Carolina. I'm a Panther fan. We had our sports bar was literally two miles away from training camp. And when they were in 95, 96, 97, 98, when 99, when we had it, they'd come in and hang out. We were Kerry Collins, Steve Berline, Wesley Walls, all those guys. I saw them every day during training camp. They were cool as anything. Anyways, they don't, the, there's at the stadium that's at the, they're doing social distancing inside the stadium. Rose not being used, uh, 40% or 50% are allowed in the stadium, etc. You'd think as a businessman, that's going to hurt your, your dollar. They get hundreds of millions of dollars from TV. But you know what? You stop watching it. That's, you got to stop turning the TV on. You don't turn the TV on. You don't watch it. You, you don't watch the Super Bowl. You don't watch any of that stuff. You don't watch the World Series. It's all over. Um, I mean, I realize it's a tremendous drug for people. And I would never say stop doing something unless I had an alternative. And we I, like saying go play. Instead of watching it, well, go play that. the game. You can go play the game, but there are other things you could do, too. Uh, you could watch your local college, your local high school. Minor leagues. Minor leagues, indeed. And, uh, I mean, for that matter, uh, Little League and Pop Warner. Mm -hmm. uh, patronize that stuff. I mean, all of your... Take your fandom away from overpaid morons who don't need it or deserve it. Just take it elsewhere. Uh, these people have to be pulled off their pedestal. You know, you bite the hand that feeds you, that hand should smack you. Yeah, I saw one guy for the Giants. He stood during it. He was the only guy of the both teams to take a stand. And he, he said, I will, not, I will not take a knee for this. Well, then if anything, he's endorsing by. <laughs> yeah. Even if you don't need it or want it. Pro problem is that no one knows who he is. So. Well, that's that's the downside. But no, I I uh, no a, a guy like that, I'd, I'd watch him and I would buy whatever stupid product he was endorsing, even if I didn't want it. You know, the uh, uh, nail polish remover. I'm sure, I'll, I'll have seven cartons. Kick it old school. Send him letters. We used to send cards in the mail to you know guys that get autographs. We couldn't go see them in the in cities, and they'd write back. So try that. Yeah, yeah, and, and support them. I mean, there that's that's one thing. But for the rest of it, to hell with them. Absolutely, to hell with them. It's unreal. Right. I never thought I'd see that. I mean, it. I think it was World War II when they started bringing the anthem in. It was during the seventh inning stretch at that time. And then it started getting more and more towards the 50s, 60s, I think, at the beginning of this games. Yeah, but, I, and, and actually, uh, 
it really it really became a big deal uh, in particular after the start of our endless wars in 2002. Right. But uh, it's got to stop. So those two things, no more uh, no more uh, subjecting the national symbols to abuse, and no more uh, no more funding. Those yeah. two things. And when I saw BLM on the hill, I was a pitcher. I would have not taken two seconds to come over and just go over there and scratch that out with my cleats. Yeah. Uh, unreal what you see. I just saw highlights, uh, you know, the NBA, the, that group. You're seeing it all over the place. I mean, uh, I don't know if, if I mentioned this the last time. I, you know, Frankly, I've been doing a lot of shows recently, and I get very confused as to what I've said where. But... Uh, you know the Sierra Club uh-huh. is uh, is going after their founder John Muir as a racist. <laughs> well, okay, the Sierra Club, if I remember correctly, backed abortion years ago. So, which I'm sure John Muir would never have done. <laughs> but I'm gonna I'm gonna let all of these guys in on something. And, and by the way, I'm sure they're gonna start uh, canceling sports figures. Oh yeah, you know they're they're uh, Stan the man will get it. You know, will turn it'll turn out that he uh, I don't know he once got a shoe shine by a black guy or something. I don't know, but they'll come up with stuff. If you want to disassociate yourself from your founder, I'm thinking of John Muir and the Sierra Club. Two things: resign and dissolve the organization. If it's irredeemable. If you're if you're if that's really what you think, get your rear end out of it and break it up. Now, interestingly enough, a few drones at Planned Parenthood have begun to realize the real racism of their founders. So they've taken her name off some building somewhere. But the same really holds there. Mm-hmm. Once you wake up to the fact that she was a very definite racista, <laughs> it's time for Planned Parenthood to be closed down. Yeah, you can't you can't just take the name off and keep keep the business going. No, no. I mean that would be like you know, welcome to Seabreeze Plantation. Yeah. We've taken down the statue of our founder, Colonel Parker, but we've still got the unpaid workers in the fields. <laughs> what? Yeah, get well, in line back well, they're there. They're not paid, but they get food and board. Well, are they able to leave? Well, no. We feel it would create a bad work environment if they could leave. <laughs> Wait a minute, let me get this straight. So this was a slave-owned, plant, uh, slave-owned plantation. And because he was a racist, you've taken down the statue of the founder. But you've still got slaves working in the fields. Oh, we don't call them slaves. But they're not paid and they can't leave. Well, yes, but they've got complete job security. They can't be fired either. <laughs> now... Going, Charles, going with the sports thing, I saw this coming for years, though. I mean, you know, you, in, in the NFL October, uh, you had pink month. You had guys running around in pink. You know, I'm not a, I'm not a fashion designer, but, you know, Carolina blue and black with pink doesn't match well. But, no, uh, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't think so. Well, who was that? There was a very famous guy who was a, who was a football player. It was the first famous football player to come out of the closet, sadly. Oh, uh, Sam, Michael Sam. Was that it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. he wasn't, really wasn't a good player. He was just famous for doing that. That was, yeah. the, that was the one that Dolan said, that Bravo. Uh, I, you know, I, Cope. Cope. That was the guy's name, Donald Cope. I think it was Donald. Oh, we're talking about years ago then. Yeah, years ago. Okay, okay. Years ago. Um. Yeah, and you know, I'll tell you, if if they if any of them started coming out as adulterers, we'd lose three quarters of the uh, yeah. we lose three quarters of the teams right right up there. Yeah, I mean Charles Johnson bragged about having eight kids from eight different women and four corners and all the corners of the continent, uh, but they give yeah. Philip Rivers crap for having eleven kids. Ah, uh, and being married to the mother. Yeah, but yeah, literally uh, being married to her. No, but in I, baseball, you had blue. There was the the Father's Day. They had blue bags, blue bats. Uh, Mother's Day, they'd end up doing pink, which they would donate to groups like 
Susan Komen, things like that for breast cancer. But if you read in Susan Komen, you know there's nefarious things through there. Uh, they were being uh, social justice warriors for a while. Uh, this is just coming like coming out of closet type deal. See, part part of the reason I think is that a lot of them have the same problem that a lot of highly paid actors do, which is the feeling there's a feeling of guilt at the bottom of it that they're getting a lot of money that they don't really deserve mm -hmm. for doing something at the end of the day isn't necessary. Yeah, not essential. Yeah. Now, frankly, well, I could, I agree with that as far as uh, sports go. I don't I don't think there's any need for professional sports. Certainly not at that kind of pay. No, not like it is now. No. Uh, I would kill for back in the day. You know, we talking about the twenty seven murderers row. Those the, those days when you could go to a game for two cents and yep. take your kids there and not have to worry about going bankrupt buying a hot dog for eleven bucks to watch right. somebody that's making eleven million dollars that can't throw a ball straight. That's <laughs> the same thing has happened with really with theater. I mean, there was a time when normal people could go to see a show on Broadway. You know, it's a long time ago now. Yeah. But now, if you're going to see a Broadway show, uh, it's going to be a good quarter of your budget for your trip to New York. <laughs> you know, and I'm, I'm not saying that's a bad thing, of course. But my, I, I'm always curious as to where all of this extra money is going to. There's I mean, a... Uh... You might not have ever seen this, but there was a documentary on Netflix. It might still be on there called Broke. And it talks about all the athletes that were multimillionaires that are now broke. You're, you're looking at going, how do you spend $50 million and become broke? Well, you do it because you're stupid. <laughs> That's how you do it. No, I, I'm serious. It's really, see, the problem is most people can't imagine that because they don't have the kind of money to play around with. But you see, you could always get the most expensive of everything. Mm -hmm. I mean, you could, if you got 50 million bucks in the bank, you could very easily go to Paris, stay at the, on the, uh, the Royal Suite at the Ritz, you know, for 25,000 a night. You know, that's up to real money. Mm -hmm. And you'll drain your account. You know, oh, I have a bottle of, uh, a bottle of Louis XIII Cognac. Sure you will at ten grand. Yeah, you know, and and they do that kind of thing. Uh, you'll pardon my saying so, but you know, six hookers at once. That kind of thing comes it comes to a lot of money. And when you find out the kinds of things they would spend it on, it was nonsense. Or another way to lose money when you've got that kind of money is to invest in stupid stuff. If I were an athlete. And I had that kind of money, I'd throw it in the bank. Mm. Unless I had a manager I could really trust, I'd just throw it in the bank because the, the money I'd make off the interest would be enough to take care of my needs. And I wouldn't have to worry about whether the market went up or down or, or anything, you know. And uh, I might have to divvy it up amongst however many banks because there'd be 100,000, you know, I could, you can't invest more than 100,000 in a given bank. Uh, without losing the insurance issue. So I'd probably have to, you know, I'd have as many bank accounts as you could fit 100 grand into 50 million, which is quite a, quite a few banks, actually. No, yeah. hard, to, hard <laughs> keeping track of each of them. But uh, nevertheless, that's how I would do it, uh, simply because I, I don't have a financial mind. I don't pretend to. But the, the thing to bear in mind is that people who succeed as professional athletes are often not the most intellectual of people. Now, they're not always dumb by any stretch, uh, but they're not always that bright either. No, they get used. Uh, their friends use them. The people around yep. them use them. Uh, that was, uh, I can't remember, there was a buddy of mine, and he's not, I'm not calling him an idiot, but he ended up, uh, <laughs> he was our shortstop in high school, and this kid would, would have been, if you would have asked everyone player there, he would have been the least likely to make it anywhere. And somehow God struck him with a lightning bolt between the age of high school and uh, 25 and ended up getting signed by the New York Mets. He ended up bartending for a couple years afterwards because his parents took all his money. So there's that. You got people like that as well. I mean, 
You, you do, and, and you, again, the closest parallel to that is what you'll see in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Because you'll see the same thing. You know, a, uh, if I had a dime for every horrible story of a child star who made millions and the parents took it all and spent it, on what? Yeah. How is it you generate millions of dollars for your parents and when you turn 21, there's no money? What do they, what do, they do with it? <laughs> what do they do with it? How do you hide that? <laughs> What kind of parents are able to spend millions of their of their kids' money, and, and you know, twenty one smiles like, well, sorry, <laughs> really don't have anything for you. Go try it again. <laughs> and you know, the worst of it is that it's it's bad enough if they get divorced. Mm-hmm. The parents get divorced. You can at least imagine that they were blowing it on on stuff they shouldn't have been, and it ruined them. Which it's not nice, but it's understandable. But the thing that's really bad is when they don't. You know, there's tight a couple as, as as when they shaft you at the end is when they began. You know, yeah. what is that? Yeah. To have that nasty a set of parents, I, I can't conceive of it. But it's one reason, you know, my dad wouldn't let my brother and me go into, uh, go into the biz. And mind you, we had the chances. Well, you go back to, you know, guys making today, you had the, uh, was the quarterback for the Cowboys, Das Prescott, was holding out. Because he didn't want thirty-one million dollars this year, he wanted more. Thirty-one wasn't enough. Oh, I can understand that. <laughs> he's upset. I mean, Think about it. he's upset because he had to settle for thirty-one million this year. I think I think his his brain needs to settle for you know into its foundations. What a what a boob. God. Well, you see, this is the thing, and and to have these people these metal midgets commanding such importance is ridiculous. So I say, once again, no flag, no anthem, no dough. Give it up, ladies and gentlemen. I know it's easy for me to say because I don't have the addiction. But, well, and, and it is. I mean, no. I've known people for whom, uh, I've known people who knew every winner of the World Series, could tell you all the batting averages of, <laughs> there you go. I've known people like that. I know one now. Uh, and I understand that it's almost like a religion. But it's a religion of Baal at the moment. Yeah, when, when we were growing up now, it was different. We were in the 80s. Court Flood was the first free agent. He was the one that created free agency. Pete Rose was the first million-dollar guy. Yeah, I think that wasn't until 85-ish. Uh, salaries were at semi at that time, not nuts. We were watching. No. We look at baseball cards. We still put them in the spokes. Uh, your, we trade with day, them. In your day, they were in hundreds of thousands, and now they're they're in hundreds in, of millions. Yeah, and that and well, even day, like uh, just the baseball cards. Can you imagine a kid putting? So our, I remember Ken Griffey Jr.'s rookie card was the the Taj Mahal of of cards. I think it was for like fifty thousand dollars or something like that. I haven't looked it up in years. But we used to put tops baseball cards, come up with a baseball with a bubblegum stick, and people would put them in spokes, trade with them, do whatever. You can't well, imagine yeah. a kid doing it now because it's all money. But see, that's that's true. I mean, I remember when I was a kid, there were three things that were the, the coin of the realm in kidland, or I should say in boyland, mm-hmm. uh, because girls really were not in on this at all. And they were baseball cards, marbles, and toy soldiers, yeah. those three things, uh, and they 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 were the coin of the realm. You know, you could trade them, you could uh, you could play with them, you could do all kinds of fun things with them. And uh, you know, I I remember to this day, I had a '56 uh, uh, Brooklyn Dodgers card. My dad gave me, and. Uh, he, uh, you know, he said at the time, if I had known what they were going to do just two years later. <laughs> but I ended up going. I ended up brace. I was in medical sales for a while as an assistant, so I didn't make the the money they did. But uh, I put a brace on this guy in Southern Columbia, just south of the city. He was from Brooklyn. He's the, uh, he's in there telling me about this story about him living in the in the building where the barber for the Dodgers lived. So he would tell the he would tell the bar his uh, ask the barber to get autographs for him, and 
he's we're talking for like two hours i don't think yeah whatever you know show me some of these autographs he comes out with like six sheets jackie robinson peewee reese <laughs> i'm looking at going you got you gotta be kidding me this is you this really did happen <laughs> you know what the what the name the dodgers came from I, I i do but i can't think of it right now they're dodging streetcars in brooklyn that's that's what I call the Brooklyn Dodgers. Dodge streetcars. And if anybody and wants to know the reason why the San Francisco Giants have the colors they are is because it's for the two teams that left New York. Well, yeah. And, of course, the, the Oakland days were the Philadelphia Athletics originally. Yeah. And they uh, they were Lou Gehrig's and Babe Ruth's great rivals for the Philadelphia Athletics. You ever hear about the story of uh, the girl that struck out Gehrig and Ruth? There. All right, so back in the day, before these guys, you know, flew charter jets, they took a train. Yeah. So, train uh, spring train was still in Florida, and they would take a train all the way up to New York. So, the and on along the way, they would play at different stadiums. So, Sparbrook, South Carolina, where I grew up at Duncan Park, Garrett, they they all played there. It was an exhibition games. So Chattanooga, you guys can you can look it up online, Chattanooga. Chattanooga I can't think of the name of the team, but they ended up, the guy was trying to make a profit off the team, so he made a girl come pitch against the Yankees. Ruth thought it was an insult. Ended up getting struck out. He didn't didn't take it seriously. He was, you can see there's a photo of it. He looks ticked. And she says Gehrig was the perfect gentleman. And she struck him out too. But they took a photo of afterwards, the three of them. It's, it's a cool photo. Garrick's standing there with his arm around, with smiling. Ruth looks like he wants to hit her with the bat. <laughs> I'm sure he did. I'm sure he did. It's, you know, it, see, this is the funny thing. That was the baseball that was. Uh-huh. And it's now been canceled. You know, it's a bit like the Boy Scouts or the Knights of Columbus. Who used to own you know, Yankee Stadium. The Knights of Columbus? Yeah, they owned the land the Yankee Stadium was on. Wow. Oh. Old Yankee Stadium. Old Yankee Stadium, yeah. that makes more sense. Yeah. But, you know, you, 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 you think about it now and you get a little sick in your stomach. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm an Eagle Scout, fourth degree Knight of Columbus. And if I were a real Yankee fan right now, I'd be feeling sick to my stomach in that particular way yeah i talked to a few yankee fans they weren't too excited about that though i mean they're in a stadium now we i, I went in the, i was there for the last week of yankee stadium it was it was pretty cool i mean you got hallways that i had to duck a little bit to get through and i mean just it's it was so cool the new one sells sushi during the game as one as one big yankee fan goes i don't care about having sushi at a base i want a freaking hot dog <laughs> Well, a hot dog, you want uh, you want uh, popcorn, yes, and Cracker Jacks. It's true. The, uh, of course, you know, my, my joke whenever I'm on the freeways in LA is that I'm very ticked at the Cracker Jacks company. Well, because they give out all the driver's licenses in LA. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you get them in the box. Little, box. Little car. Oh, I can drive now. Whee! But... You ever hear about the uh, the Cardinal, the, the former Cardinals player that talked to Pius XII? No. He, uh, he got traded to the Browns, so he meets Pius XII and goes, Hey, Holy Father, we have something in common. We both used to be Cardinals. <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 it's good stuff. I mean, again, and it was part of Americana. But, again, I hope a time will come when we can regain it. But, you know, the problem is that, um, as Perry Como tells us, once upon a time, somehow it never comes again. Oh, yeah. It's that's it, It's just oh, dreams. Yeah. You think of it's nostalgic of thinking of guys that had beers in the dugout or they would smoke on the field and put a cigarette, the cigarette on the base. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. Talk to fans after the game and hang out with the, just like normal people and kids looked well, see, up to them they were normal people yeah to yeah, a degree yeah. and kids did look up to them i mean uh when i was young some of the kids wanted to be 
not simply baseball players, but baseball heroes. Mm-hmm. You know, and you look at a guy like Stan the Man or, or Mickey Mantle or Joe DiMaggio. And, you know, some kids, I was never one of them. I looked more to the astronauts, frankly. But uh, they would uh, they would say, you know, yeah, that's what I want to be. I want to be like him. And this is a very natural thing, you know. It was a very natural thing. Unfortunately, we live in the time that we live in. Yes. So I'm afraid that uh, that's yet another casualty of the long march through the institutions. Yeah, you well, look at it as a foreshadowing. Yeah, baseball can I'm go sorry? down like this. It's almost like a foreshadowing. Baseball can go down like this. Everything else can. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. And there, there is, as I've said before, and I'll say it again and again and again, there is a reaction brewing. And it will be unpleasant. Um, now, the longer this goes on, the nastier it'll be when it comes. And I am not looking forward to it because I don't like bloodshed, you know? And however stupid people may be. Now we got uh, some sports fans, not sports fans, players that are subscribers to the channel, maybe watching this. Uh, before we came on and we talking about this, I was thinking of uh, Franz Jägerstadter, who uh, ended up getting his head cut off for not saying how Hitler. Yeah. Uh, what would you say to guys that would be that play on teams that may ended up that maybe the team tells them beforehand, Hey, you got to kneel for this and I knowing decided. what BLM stands for. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And of course, if you're a professional athlete, uh, I realize there's not a lot of other things probably that you're able to do and I'm not being funny. It, it just, it's true. Because uh, athletes, like actors, even like writers, they do what they do, what they do, what they do. And going from that to, say, very often their their uh, educational accomplishments don't really allow them going into any equivalent white-collar job. So it's very hard. But for the sake of the game, for the sake of your country, I would appeal to you to resign and tell them why you're leaving. Um, and be sure you let the uh, the newspapers know, and be sure you, you get it out online, that you're leaving because this isn't what you signed up for. You're not a traitor to your country. You're not a, uh, you're not a follower of uh, Marxist lesbians. Uh, even if they weren't Marxist, you wouldn't follow them. And even if they weren't lesbian, you wouldn't follow them. But the combination of the two together is kind of tough uh, and that's really what you've got to do because the alternative is to sell your soul to the devil I'm not saying that's a bad bargain that's not for me to choose it's just usually old scratch ends up getting everything in the end yeah, it's kind of kind of like when they were telling Franz just say the words just yeah. do it it's just words now it's just knee just take the knee just take the knee. And, uh, you know, the, um, uh, I won't say who, but uh, I made kind of a cruel joke. I couldn't help myself. An acquaintance of mine uh, is in the National Guard out in California. And a third friend asked if he took the knee, which, believe me, this guy would never dream of doing it. I said, yeah, he did. And the guy goes, what? But it was on somebody's throat. <laughs> So, you know, it turns out that's actually a very standard practice. I didn't yeah, know that. I didn't know that either. But yes, yeah, standard practice, from what I understand. When you're when you're fighting someone who's out of their mind, um, which you're, apparently you're not supposed to do anymore. No, you're so, not supposed to do anything anymore. You're basically supposed to let them uh, attack you, and you you're not supposed to practice self defense. No, and, and one of, one of the things that makes me laugh, you know. During the uh, the long the the uh, long annoying last four years of Mr. Obama, had these things at Ferguson and all that. Uh, half of the people that were getting killed had gone for the cops' uh, holster. Mm-hmm. Now, there's something everybody should understand. If you go for a cops' holster, you're dead. 
Yeah, all bets are, are off. <laughs> you're, 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 that's the way they're trained. Yeah. You go for the holster, you're a dead man. And my joke at the time was that I did blame the cops for this. Because for the same reason that I blamed McDonald's for making coffee hot. You remember that lady who, who got burned and sued for millions and got millions from McDonald's because she didn't realize that hot coffee would be hot. Yeah. So this was very upsetting to her. Who knew? Uh, who knew indeed. So now on, on the McDonald's coffees, it says Morning. hot. <laughs> yeah, you know, will burn. Well, uh, I think that every cop's holster should say, don't touch, you die. And a skull and crossbones for the illiterate among us. And without that, you'd have to say that it's their fault. They need warning signs and symbols on the cops holsters so that you know not to touch. You can't, uh, you can't assume people are bright anymore. He's just... No, no. I mean, the great stupefaction that has assaulted our ruling class has also assaulted everybody on down to you and me. Yeah. And everything in between. Well, you'd be happy uh, to hear that uh, George uh, Floyd's... Uh, uh, what do they call it? I guess photo was light shown on a, a General Lee statue in somewhere in North Carolina yesterday. So I heard. <laughs> it it doesn't stop. You know, <laughs> no, it doesn't stop until it will be stopped. See, this is the problem, and I keep saying it. It will be stopped. It would be better if it were done by the government. It would be a lot better if it were done by the government. If it's not stopped by the government, it will be stopped in unpleasant, unmanageable, and ungovernable ways. And that, uh, if you're an historian, you have seen this picture many, many times before. And I'm an historian. I don't know what else I am, but I'm an historian. And I, I tell you, ladies and gentlemen, they are waking up a sleeping giant, and they really shouldn't do that. There's a reason you let giants sleep. And they don't understand it. And our masters in, in government and media and academia and all the other drivelish places that rule us, what they don't understand is that it will bring us all down. And I, I firmly believe that the result will be the rise of a strong man. And at that point, it will become purely a question of his character and his personality. And that I cannot predict. He could be anything from Franco to Hitler. I know for a lot of people, that's just bad and bad. It's not. It's not at all. It's the difference of being able to live a life or not being able to. And I, um, you know, my joke is that whoever he is will all become very dependent, as I say, on his personality quirks. If it turns out he's got a great love of tulips and roses, we're all going to be very much into gardening and flowers in ways we never were before. <laughs> yeah. we, either case, may the odds ever be in your favor. <laughs> yeah, well, see, that's the thing. I mean, the problem with strongmen is that the odds are usually not in your favor because they have to come to power in ways that are unpleasant. And the kind of men who can do that are usually not the most pleasant to people. Yeah. And you may say to me, well, wait a minute. How do you know he's going to be a man of the right, quote unquote, and not a man of the left? You want me to say it? How do you know there's going to be a man of the right and not on the left? Because, especially in America, the left is incapable of creating anything. It can destroy, but that's all it can do. What it can't do is pull things together, smack them into line, and get on with the business of living. That's beyond its ability. It is a testimony to the basic strength of our culture and our institutions that they've lasted this long while the termites have eaten away at their interiors. But what we're seeing now is very much like sitting on a chair the termites have had. It looks good until you sit on it. And then suddenly <laughs> you're sitting on the floor in a, in a pile of dust. You wonder how it happened. Yeah. Well, Not that that's what we're... Not to jump back into baseball, but uh, I mean, you know, arguing used to be a cool thing to watch, like Beaver and uh, those guys like that. He would get up in your face, I mean, literally that far from the up, and you could 
you could see them basically spinning back and forth. It was hysterical, throwing bases, kicking dirt, oh. and all this. Have you seen the new rules for arguing? There's a video no. of it. I showed a friend of mine. They go, please tell me this is fake. First off, you must put the mask on. Second off, you cannot break the six-foot barrier. If you break any of these two rules, significant penalties will occur to you. So you see this happen the other day. It was the opening day. The um, the the coach for, uh, I think it was the Cardinals, comes running out. And you see the umpire fiddling around trying to get his blue mask on and just holds it right there while he's arguing. It, it be, it's hysterical if you didn't think it was real. <laughs> you got two grown men. I mean, I'm looking back going, what would Weaver do at this time? <laughs> well... What can I tell you? It's it's. This is the way the world ends. This is the way the world ends. And this I, is the way the world ends. It, it, it might band, actually just be suicide on baseball because you know right now they got uh, the Braves the other day, two get the both their catchers tested positive for COVID, no symptoms, tested positive, they couldn't play. Then the other day, the uh, I think it was the Marlins, half the team got tested positive. They ended up canceling the game. So, give it a couple more weeks, you won't have the season anymore because no one's going to be able to play. Well, that's a, that's a blessing. Literally. That's a blessing. Well, good. Shove all down. In New Did York, the, the, the Patriots right now, half the team says they're not going to play this year because they're terrified. Good. So, I mean, you're, you're, having, a, you're having a self-implosion happening right now. It couldn't happen to a better bunch. It couldn't happen to a better bunch. I, uh, the other the other thing I, I have to touch on, although it's not related to uh, baseball, it is related to the ongoing insanity. And that, of course, are our friends at NFAC, which is the self-proclaimed black militia. Now, I have to say that they have officially disassociated themselves with BLM and Antifa because BLM and Antifa want reparations of some kind, though they don't know what. They just want to point out how terribly racist we all are at the intersections of structures of power and blah, 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 blah. But the NFAC want a separate black nation. Either Texas, which personally I don't think is going to be much of a... I really would not mess with Texas as the... Uh, I want to go back to the drawing board on that one. Yeah, Texas would probably not... Yeah, Try I, Utah. I, I would, <laughs> No, not Utah. <laughs> not Utah. Well, the Mormons won't put too much of a fight on. Well, not not outside Utah, but those guys get weird at home. I mean, I, 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 would, I would, I'd leave Utah out of it. I really would. Just, you know, the, the think of the Rocky Meadows massacre. I mean, just don't don't leave the Mormons alone. You, you, talk about a sleeping giant. The worst is he may have four heads. <laughs> That's a giant you don't want to even think about. It's just too weird for words. But uh, the other alternative they'd accept, and here's where I'm on board and I have a suggestion to make, and it's quite a serious one. I'm not being funny or nasty or anything else. The NFAC people have come to the conclusion that it is impossible for people of color to coexist justly in a primarily white society. I don't believe that. My parents campaigned against segregation. I do not believe in segregation, and I never will. I think that the United States uh, have been very much the better off, by and large, for the presence of our, our uh, non-white brethren. And I, uh, to think of the United States without jazz alone is, is, is enough to kind of depress me. But <laughs> Uh, nevertheless, they believe, uh, as the late George Wallace did before he got woke in his own sense, in segregation today, segregation tomorrow, segregation forever. So, they, if not Texas, they will accept going to a nation in Africa. Well, it so happens that Ghana has offered to take in American blacks, but Liberia is the country that was founded for that very purpose. And until 
25 or so years ago was actually governed by the descendants of American blacks. So they have a very easy immigration policy for American blacks. American whites, incidentally, cannot become citizens of Liberia by their constitution. Uh, there are no, it's in, even Haiti has white citizens, mm -hmm. not Liberia. So if you have, if you're of this mind, uh, you will be best off in Liberia. Well, and I just so, got I just got breaking news. Uh, the L.A. Lakers is moving to Liberia. <laughs> oh, there's a there's a comforting <laughs> thought. Even the white members were kind of confused. They, they, they don't know what it's about, but they're going along with the team. So take you one. I'm trying to keep the sports it. theme in this. <laughs> well, that's one way to do it. But no, I I uh, I mentioned this because. When you hear constantly from everybody, and this is what the, the kneeling means, is that this is an irredeemably racist country. Well, if that's how you feel, then there is no answer except segregation. And because whether you like it or not, the majority of the people of this country are white, uh, that means emigration. And Liberia is ready-made. Not only that, I have a serious suggestion to make. Now the suggestion is this. Obviously, the arrival of 1,000, 50,000, 100,000, however many people wanted to go there uh, from the United States would be kind of an unfair imposition on the Liberians. And it might be a little bit difficult for people to suddenly show up without jobs or anything. So. My, uh, my suggestion is that everyone who goes in this emigration on, who are on any sort of food stamp kind of thing or any kind of welfare or anything of that sort, that for, the, for 10 years, the government, whichever government it is, whether it's state or federal or whatever, continue to pay it uh, to the government of Liberia, um, which in turn would disperse whatever equivalent funds were necessary. Uh, to the people going there. And the reason why I say this is because obviously it costs a lot less to live in Liberia than it does in the United States. And if you suddenly have this 100,000 or 50,000 or 10,000 or 1,000 people show up and all of them are suddenly arriving with tons and tons of money, uh, that would do a real number on the Liberian economy. Whereas if the same if whatever fraction would guarantee them the same level of the standard of living they have in the states over there, be a lot less. So, I, and I'm, I'm making these figures up. Obviously, you'd have to have people know what they're doing. He's Go pulling ahead. a Fauci, ladies and gentlemen, just pulling numbers out of the air. Yeah, but the difference is I can't impose them on you with the full weight of the government the way he can. So there is a difference. But nevertheless, our methodology is very similar. I'll grant you that. But say whatever you would get for a grand in this country you could do quite as well in Liberia for a hundred bucks. Well, the government here would pay the Liberians a grand for you if you went over there. They'd pay you a hundred and they'd keep the change. And this would go to improve their infrastructure. It would go to help build the kind of place that you're used to here. Um, and I think everybody involved would be grateful for that. They could put it in the hospitals, roads, all kinds of good stuff. Education. So, this is my modest proposal um, for those who are absolutely completely convinced that we are irredeemably racist down to our bones, that our land was uh, stolen by murder and uh, labored on by slaves and thus can never be redeemed. Uh, if you really feel that way, it's time to leave, time to go. And as I say, both Liberia and Ghana have been very welcoming in this area, Ghana particularly so. But I, I think Liberia would be a better choice simply because in a real sense, they're an American cultural daughter. Uh, and probably they would be more, more familiar in some, way, in some ways than Ghana would. This is not something that would make me especially happy. But if people are convinced of it, give them what they want. Instead of burning the towns down. 
instead of burning the tax down. Now, it's important to bear in mind that NFAC stands for no, no, not effing around. If they mean what they say, then they'll take my advice. They'll put up rather than shut up and go across the seas to Liberia. And doubtless, they will be a great asset to Liberia. Now, when you were talking, I was thinking of a couple things of uh, two things. What, you ever heard of the uh, Harlem Globetrotters? Oh, of course. I grew up watching them. Yeah, yeah. Curly Neal, all those guys. Yeah, yeah. Metal the, Mark, they, Metal always played, they always played who? The Washington uh, Generals. What's that? The Washington Generals. Yeah, they sure did. One team but, was always all black. The other team is all white. Nobody called it racist. They got together. They loved each other. They had a great time together. It was a great show. It was. And it was a show. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, it's true. I mean, as I say. Dad asked me if I wanted to go try. I used to play basketball. And Dad, he goes, you want to play for the Generals? You know, I don't know if I could lose every day. (laughs) it's it's a little bit like pro wrestling (laughs) you know but i mean they were fun yeah yeah they were fun i'm so old i remember when the harlem globetrotters even had a cartoon yeah no i remember that yeah so and i i uh no i mean i think it's a crazy idea in the sense that i think segregation is crazy Uh but i do believe that if they're completely convinced of it it's time to say sayonara. Don't you find it kind of funny? Not, not that I'm a Tebow fan, because we need to pray for his conversion because his family goes to the Philippines to convert Catholics, but what did he do that ticked off literally everybody, it seemed? It was praying. Yeah, he took a knee after he scored or, you know, well, yeah, before games or things like that. That was a knee to God. That wasn't meant to be an insult to the flag. There's a difference. If they were bowing, if they were kneeling like that in prayer, or if some royal personage attended the game and they were kneeling because the queen had attended, <laughs> uh, I'd be fine with that. But that's not why they're doing it. And I, I have no use for people who have made their fortunes off this country treating it like garbage and we always uh there was a great line in for the love of the game you remember that movie uh no. it's it another costner baseball movie he's a pitcher there's his last game so his arm is hanging on a thread and uh towards the end of it he says uh in his mind he goes he says a prayer and he goes lord i never wanted to bring you into the game that because i thought it was meaningless to you know help me win or help me this it's you know help me get, help me not get hurt basically is what you're looking for. Not that I'm against prayer at a game, just but everyone it's kind of like you know help me hit a home run. Yeah, that's 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 your prayer. <laughs> well, you know the, the funny thing about the Field of Dreams, I always say that it's the one movie that Kevin Costner isn't really annoying in. That was a great movie. I the the uh, the dad scene still gets me. Well, yeah, I mean it it. You see, that was when Kevin Costner was still being directed. And so, you know, he had adult supervision and he could put it, do a, do a Somebody a tell him what to do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I, I uh, to this day, I still chortle over the uh, the, the uh, James Earl Jones meeting because, you know, he plays uh, Ted Mann, this, yeah. this J.D. Salinger, Monquet. And finally, you know, they're talking at him and he's trying to figure out what, what they're babbling about. They found, so you're saying you come from the '60s? And he goes, <laughs> "Well, yeah, go back, go back while you still can." <laughs> and you know what's even funnier? I saw that film when it came out. I reviewed it for the National Catholic Register. That was 31 years ago. Wow! And it's longer since then than the film was in 69, which is what they kept referring back to. How so? Well, because remember, they kept talking about the 60s and it was 20 years in the past yeah, yeah. and so on. That was 20 years before. It's been 31 years since Field of Dreams came out. It was 20 years from then to the 60s. 
we're further in the future. Oh, I, I get you. I get you. I was, I was thinking about the movie getting longer and going, how, how did that happen? No, 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 no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm with well, you now. Are, took me, it took me a while to catch up. I'm sorry. Slow today. It was, that's all right. Well, you, you know, you've got all the fumes coming from the burning houses uh, down in Gastonia. But yeah. the, uh, uh, no, the, you've got the, the uh, it's that film is longer ago now than the 60s were when it came out. I get you, yeah. Uh And it shows you how life is. I remember 69 very well. I turned nine years old. And when I saw that film, it seemed like a long time ago, 20 years. But the time since that film doesn't seem like any time at all. Being a and, and I, being a baseball purist, I'm going. Ah, you got Joe Jackson wrong. <laughs> you bet. But they got the dad right. Dad was right. Yeah, he was. And the other, the other thing was funny. A little bit weird was the the Burt Lancaster piece. Uh-huh. You know, Burt Lancaster as the uh, the doctor who had given up. Moonlight Graham. Yeah. The uh, but he got to play one time. Uh, it is an interesting, interesting film. And place exists, I, if, uh, ladies and gentlemen. If you don't know about, if you don't know that's real, they actually there is a real field you can visit in Iowa like that. And you know the interesting thing too about the film. I was discussing with a friend yesterday, actually thinking about what was going on. Seeing the film at the time made me wish I liked baseball a whole lot better. You know, it made me wish I had a real passion for it. That's how that's how good a film it was. Uh, but you know, we are where we are where we are, ladies and gentlemen. So stay sane. Well, that's <laughs> that, that's a phrase that needs to be well said over again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, everyone's saying stay safe. I say stay sane. Stay sane. Somebody might crazy. look at you though. What does that mean? <laughs> Get, get ready for the goggles. <laughs> don't, don't, don't get, don't let your emotions run away with you. I, you know, when uh, Mission said Gabriel burned, mm-hmm. I, I felt the madness in myself. Had I seen someone at that moment I thought had done it, I'd have blown his brains out. I felt the crazy. Mm-hmm. You know, and of course, three quarters out of four, uh, you do that and you got the wrong guy. Yeah. See, I, I remember the week or two after 9-11 in SoCal, with three people were shot dead in reprisals for 9-11. One was a copt, Egyptian Christian. One was a Sikh wearing a turban. And one was, you know, something else. Whatever it was, it wasn't a Muslim. And that was, you know, stupid people letting their emotions. And mind you, I'm not saying it would have been good if it had been a Muslim. That's not my point at all. My point is they so let their anger get away away with them. But these perps killed not just people who were innocent of anything to do with 9-11, as any regular Muslim would have been, but people who weren't even Muslim, who weren't anything to do with anything. That's what happens when we fall in humans that our emotions dictate. Yeah, I was just reading a story of uh, Blessed Pierre Giorgio. The, uh, there was an incident with a friend of his, and I guess it was like a pub. And uh, a couple of the uh, fascists were in there g- giving him some heat, giving his friend heat. And he heard what was going on, and G- Pierre Giorgio runs in and grabs a guy and decks him. Ends up being the wrong guy. <laughs> <laughs> his friend later, later writes to his sister goes thank god we got out of that place or we would have both killed somebody this is a guy that's incorrupt so if they could screw up <laughs> it, oh believe me it's it's he was still human yes and that uh, remember nobody's a saint or a blessed until they die before then yeah <laughs> i i we've got to be careful of that ladies and gentlemen i've told you there's going to be a blowback don't you be part of it don't you be getting down these people in the street. Uh, it'll come to that, I think. But unless you have to defend yourself, don't even. 
we're all, we'll all go mad. And that's what we have to avoid. Well, on that note, Charles figured I'd play a little Simon and Garfunkel for you. Mrs. Robinson, yay! I thought it, I thought it was going to play. <laughs> Guess not. You could add it later. Yeah. Boy, I am failing. Well. All right, whatever. Jolton Joel really has left it out away. Yeah. Imagine that it was playing, ladies and gentlemen. You all know Mrs. Robinson. Come on, they know this. <laughs> but I, I, uh, I will, I will leave you with this final thought. And that is, what important reason why you should know that your emotions dictate your activities, if you could possibly avoid it, is that something you do in the heat of the moment can last forever. Uh, and you don't, usually not in a good way. You know, there's that one thing you do that can really damage your own or someone else's life. So. However upsetting and annoying the news comes, the news becomes, stay sane. Amen to that. And Charles, appreciate it, bud. Stay sane. You bet, Stein. <laughs>